Contented Media presents Dr. Bitcoin, the man who wasn't Satoshi Nakamoto. An original podcast series with Mark Hunter and Arthur Van Pelt. And welcome to a special bonus edition of Dr. Bitcoin, the man who wasn't Satoshi Nakamoto. The series may be over, but there is still one part of the story that hasn't yet been told in its entirety. Something that we haven't had the chance to go into in great detail yet, but something that is integral to the whole messy chain of events. Craig Wright's side of the story. We've explained here and there elements of the narrative that Wright has spent the last seven years spinning like an ever-expanding spiderweb, but we're yet to sit down and go through the story in its totality, something that is well worth taking the time to focus on. As usual, Arthur is with me to analyse and critique Wright's claims with his usual good grace and stylish elan. Arthur, are you ready once again to do battle with Craig Wright's alternative facts? <laughs> yeah, as always, Mark. Looking forward to uh, today again. Let's get going. So, as we know, Craig Wright claims he launched Bitcoin in 2009, having worked on it since 2007, like the real Satoshi. But Wright throws in the suggestion that the basis of Bitcoin dates back to around the year 2000. This was the time when he registered a few projects in Australia for R&D tax rebates, one of which was called BlackNet, which he has claimed makes up several aspects of Bitcoin. In 2014, Wright began to claim that Satoshi Nakamoto was in fact a three-man team, with himself working alongside Dave Kleiman and an unnamed third party, a claim he held throughout the signing sessions of April 2016, where he told the BBC, I was the main part of it, other people helped. Following the disastrous May 2016 Satoshi reveal, Wright went quiet on the subject until late 2018, when he came out all guns blazing and said that, actually, it was him on his own all along, despite claiming just a few months previously that Satoshi was him, Dave Kleinman and Professor David Rees, presumably the unnamed third party from 2016. Wright's divorce from Bitcoin apparently dates back as far as late 2009, when the first of three hijackings, as Wright and Calvin Eyre call them, began to take place. We covered the basics of this first claim in episode 5, but we'll go through them in a bit more detail here, although there isn't much to go on. Essentially, Wright says that soon after Bitcoin's creation, a group of developers wanted to change its philosophy from his original vision and turn it into a libertarian currency free from government interference. To achieve this, they needed to get Wright out of the way, so they pushed him out and took control themselves in order to fulfil their ambitions. Wright, angry at being turfed out and despairing at the fact that Bitcoin was being used as a black market currency, gave up and planned to erase all history of his role as its creator. However, he was saved from destroying everything by Dave Kleiman, who convinced him to lock 1.1 million Bitcoin and a bunch of Bitcoin-related intellectual property away in the Tulip Trust in 2011. This initial hijacking was summarised by Josh Petty, the founder of BSV-powered social media platform Twitch, in an October 2019 interview with Infowars. Petty told Infowars that communists had taken over the Bitcoin protocol in these early years and fundamentally changed it from its intended purpose as a decentralised portal that could revolutionise the world, uprooting everything from finance to logistics, into a method of buying illicit goods and laundering money. Arthur, have we ever heard any actual names relating to this supposed 2009 hijacking? No, not that I'm aware of, uh, no. 
Does he have evidence of conversations he's had with people who wanted to kick him out? Yeah, there is no evidence, uh, no evidence whatsoever of such conversations, except Craig's word that there uh, have been such conversations. He never backed them up with actual uh, emails or, or other evidence. The only evidence that we have actually indicates the exact opposite of what Craig is claiming. The last time that Satoshi Nakamoto uh, has been uh, communicating with the Bitcoin community was in uh, several emails with Bitcoin developers like uh, Mike Hearn and Gavin Anderson and Marty Malmi, and it was around uh, April 2011. And what he literally told was, I have moved on. I will probably not come back. It is in good hands with uh, Gavin Anderson and everyone. So yeah, to me, this does not uh, really sound like a frustrated Satoshi Nakamoto that saw his project hijacked by someone in the years uh, prior. The second part of the hijacking supposedly came in 2015 when, Wright says, Bitcoin developers were getting fed up with not making any money from their efforts, being volunteers at the time. The story goes that they watched the value of Bitcoin increasing and the cryptocurrency's potential as a major financial disruptor gaining traction and wanted a slice for themselves. The developers sought investment and turned to a company called the Digital Currency Group, backed by Mastercard, Bain Capital, Transamerica Ventures, Firstmark Capital, New York Life and other Silicon Valley backers. The formation of the Digital Currency Group gave Mastercard the opportunity it had apparently been looking for to crack down on Bitcoin, fearful as it allegedly was of the impact Bitcoin would have on the global banking system. It did this by paying developers to ensure that the Bitcoin network never scaled, thus kneecapping its potential. This act of self-sabotage also allowed the digital currency group to force people to use other companies and projects in its stable, such as Coinbase, Shapeshift, Kraken, Blockstream and the Lightning Network, all of which Wright claims would be redundant if Bitcoin had been allowed to scale as he intended. There are several such uh, conspiracy theories circulating in the Craig Wright and BSV community, always without any evidence uh, to back them up. I do remember a graph with uh, companies like MasterCard and Digital Currency Group and several other companies where they try to prove that Bitcoin is hijacked uh, by all these companies. But that graph actually made me uh, chuckle a little because none of these companies, although they are quite large and influential in their own right, none of them have major stakes in anything Bitcoin development and Bitcoin release and Bitcoin usage. They, they make uh, mostly infrastructure for Bitcoin and they have almost nothing to do with the Bitcoin core development. And since Bitcoin is appropriately uh, decentralized, if you ask me, uh, with powers uh, evenly divided between the users, developers and, and miners, it, it always needs a majority consensus of all these groups to get something done. And yeah, by Satoshi Nakamoto's design, not any company or individual can control uh, Bitcoin ever. Why don't Bitcoin developers just increase the block size or do something else in line with the white paper to increase the transaction speed and lower the costs then? Yeah, let's start with the fact that the Bitcoin white paper doesn't say anything about scaling uh, on-chain only, just by creating big or unlimited blocks uh, only. So we have to look at what uh, Satoshi Nakamoto said elsewhere in private emails to developers and on uh, the forums where he was active, where he posted in uh, 2009 and 10, and the picture that emerges from his advices is that he leaned towards a careful raise of the block size, but only when needed. And that, for example, for the so-called uh, high-frequency trades, 
he advised not to broadcast these transactions in the Bitcoin blockchain. So along this concept, uh, Bitcoin exchanges have been built since 2010 when Bitcoin uh, started uh, trading properly. And more recent, we see the Lightning Network protocol also work according uh, this uh, same concept, not broadcasting the intermediate uh, transactions between multiple parties and only settle on chain when the channels are being closed by the Lightning nodes. So yeah, what can I say? It's a bit of both to for, for scaling and, and we see that BSV is doing it uh, totally wrongly because they do on-chain only scaling while we are 100% sure that uh, Satoshi Nakamoto was uh, a fan of uh, doing both scale on-chain uh, only when needed and scale off-chain for the major part for uh, the high-frequency trades. In alliance with MasterCard paying developers to kill Bitcoin, Wright says there is also an anti-BSV and anti-Wright agenda from the major cryptocurrency news outlets, one of which, Coindesk, is also backed by the Digital Currency Group. According to a CoinGeek article, Coindesk stands staunchly opposed to anything that might challenge its current dominance of Bitcoin's public infrastructure. This is the only reason, the BSV community says, that Coindesk is so anti-BSV, because its owners want to silence the protocol and Craig Wright. This doesn't explain, however, the dozens of other crypto outlets who also post negative pieces on Wright, unless of course the cartel extends to every news outlet that ever comes into existence and says bad things about him. Outspoken individuals like our own Arthur Van Pelt and even entities such as this podcast are constantly accused of being in the pay of the digital currency group or someone else with a vested interest for choosing to speak out. If you're a critic, you're either being paid off, you're lying to bring right down, or you're an idiot who deserves to be bullied. For another example of this, we need look no further than the 2020 US election. Donald Trump supporters couldn't conceive of the idea that a large number of people simply didn't like him, and so they made up a lie that the election was stolen and that every news story that didn't favour him was a fabrication dreamt up by a media cabal that wanted him out. Any evidence to back up these claims was either said to be false or was simply ignored by the pro-Trump news outlets, and his supporters sidestepped the fact that Trump actually did many of the things the media accused him of, and worse. The same scenario is playing out with Craig Wright. In this case, CoinGeek is Fox News, the Craig Wright propaganda arm that twists everything to support him and either distorts or simply ignores anything negative. This way, Wright's supporters are shielded from any negativity about Wright and are instructed by Calvin Eyre to actively ignore any bad press they come across or pass it off as fake, regardless of any actual evidence. This can be seen on Twitter, where Calvin Eyre is often the first to reply to any tweet about Bitcoin, Craig Wright, Satoshi or BSV, quickly calling out fakery where he feels he has seen it, despite his responses coming far too quickly for him to have actually read the pieces concerned. The suggestion that the way to a quick payday is to write something negative about Wright and the digital currency group will drop a check down your chimney is, apparently, much more likely than the idea that a lot of people simply don't like Craig Wright because he's a liar and a bully. The same theory applies to the multiple exchanges that delisted the BSV token in 2019 when Wright went on his lawsuit rampage. It was all a giant crypto exchange conspiracy and had nothing to do with Wright's decision to sue Twitter users who claimed he was a fraud. Such a reaction was, according to them, perfectly reasonable. Calvin Eyre summed this up in July 2021 when he said, in response to the question posed by a Twitter user, why is buying BSV so damn hard? 
This is because of a criminal D-list attack on BSV by the Mastercard-controlled small block BTC world and the corrupt exchange crypto world. This will disappear shortly as this is illegal and market forces will also remove. Arthur, this critique doesn't take into account all the exchanges that have delisted BSV since 2019. What's been their rationale? Yeah, all the delistings that have occurred since uh, early 2019 already have absolutely nothing to do with anything that Calvin Air is now claiming. All the delistings of BSV have uh, been responses to Craig Wright suing several Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency community members like uh, Peter McCormack, Adam Beck, Holnord, Roger Ver, Vitalik Buterin of, uh, of the Ethereum uh, project, which was uh, seen, understandably, as a hostile attack that uh, needed a likewise uh, response, or it was a response to the technical stability, or rather lack thereof, of the BSV network. The delistings of uh, BSV by exchanges and uh, payment processors, even a mining pool uh, recently, were for example uh, accelerated again after several 51% uh, attacks that caused double spend damages to at least the one exchange uh, called Bitmart. And Bitmart started a lawsuit uh, this summer to try to get over $6 million in uh, stolen funds back uh, from the, as they state in the filings, Russian attackers. And only because of the low security and instability of the BSV network, these type of attacks are possible. As you can see, the BSV uh, project is feeling the pain of that, uh, obviously. And it's a downward spiral, ultimately uh, leading to the demise of, uh, of the whole chain. I think they will not recover. Ironically, Coinbase, Wright's biggest enemy, was one of the few remaining exchanges to still allow BSV trading after the delisting saga, which it did until the 51% attacks in August of 2021. The fact that Coinbase kept BSV listed much longer than many other exchanges was conveniently ignored by the BSV community, who were relieved to finally be able to attack it when it eventually halted trading. Calvin Air has been quick to demonise any exchange that delists BSV, with the conspiracy theme being reinforced at every turn, a theory parroted by his followers. When another exchange, Independent Reserve, announced in January 2021 that it was delisting BSV, Air said, I expect they were likely paid by the BTC gang to do this. They are a nothing exchange and did no BSV business and got a bit of funding, and they hope some brand exposure, even if bad branding. Ignore this. Again, Ayer's call to ignore this is a clear sign of a cult, where leaders discourage the consumption of ideas that go against the founder's doctrine. Rather than asking why Independent Reserve might have delisted BSV and easing holders' concerns about the reduced number of exchanges, Ayer was simply keen for BSV followers not to look any more into the matter. In a sign of how much the doctrine was spreading, another delisting in October 2021, this time from Canadian exchange CoinSquare, resulted in similar accusations, with supporters claiming that they seem to be corrupted and have accepted inducement to do this, and yet another example of the corrupt exchange cartel. Squawk. There is more to the CoinSquare delisting though, which does indeed shine a light on exchange corruption. When the news hit Twitter, Air responded that I am a shareholder, adding that CoinSquare was in violation of the terms of my agreement with them when I funded them and promised to get this reversed. Arthur, the CoinSquare case is an interesting one because Calvin Air has spent the last two years railing at imaginary backhanders being paid to exchanges to delist BSV, and yet here's him literally forcing exchanges to list BSV in return for his investment. Does the man have no shame? 
Yeah, that appears like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I cannot look away from the firm impression that I have uh, that Kelvin Air is a major uh, financial force in the BSV uh, infrastructure, because from the BSV Association to Enchain, from Tal to GoingGeek and many infrastructure and uh, and apps uh, developers, Kelvin is everywhere with his uh, deep pockets, and he is always happy to fund something that he thinks will benefit uh, the further adoption of BSV. Also, Arthur, I've got a bone to pick with you in relation to this. Um, Someone commented on one of our episodes on YouTube with this. We need to investigate Arthur Van Pelt and see his ties to MasterCard and trace the money he receives. A deep investigation into Arthur is needed. Is there something you need to tell me? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> nah, it's it, it's it's amusing to see these things uh, happen, and uh, I I see a lot more of this. Uh, that I'm a pay chill and uh, whatever. Now, in fact, what I found, I am using a Bitcoin donation address where they found, I think, somewhere in 2017, a, a pretty large amount in BTC, and back then that was a uh, sixty thousand dollar. I used that at that moment to buy. Bitcoin miners in the United States from a company called Gigawatt. Now, so it was totally unrelated with my later hobby. It, at first, it was a kind of a hobby, and it has now grown a little bit in uh, in, in some more extensive writing, etc. But yeah, back then I did uh, Bitcoin mining. But I do receive a little donations for my community service, but still some of the hardcore Craig Wright fans think I'm part of a massive conspiracy against uh, the reveal of the real Satoshi Akamoto and the suppression of the superpowers of, uh, of Craig's brainchild uh, BSV. And they already went as far uh, as falsely claiming that I cheated on my tax filings and they appear to have obtained without my uh, permission. And of course, I reported it uh, to the police. Yeah, so again, it's amusing. It only shows the sheer desperation of uh, those people in the BSV community that they cannot uh, debunk any of my content. So they have to fall back on uh, false accusations, uh, ad hominems, and and start a smear campaign uh, against me. To tell you the truth, Mark, these things only accelerate my determination to continue what I'm doing. So they have actually the opposite effect of what they think uh, it should have. As for Air's promise to get the CoinSquare delisting reversed, it wasn't fulfilled. Another side of Wright's Bitcoin hijacking claim is to do with the mining of Bitcoin, and in particular the creation of ASIC chips, which are computer chips designed to do nothing more than mine Bitcoin. These chips sit in fan-cooled housings and spend all day working away to mine Bitcoin, and, if you believe the doom-mongers, kill the planet. The last Bitcoin will be mined around 2140, by which time the only revenue will come from processing transactions. In February 2019, Wright attacked the actions of big ASIC chip producers, saying, The current market players, such as Bitmain, understand perfectly well that the mining subsidy will go down and that the value in the next six years needs to come from transactional volume. They do not seek long-term solutions. At present, they are seeking to extract as much value out of the network as possible without reinvesting. They do so by trying to convince fools that the only part of the network that mattered was solving the hash puzzle and that the transaction fees were irrelevant. They do so in getting fools to run inefficient hardware that would not meet the standards of any data centre, rather than moving towards scaled efficiency. 
This, he added, had resulted in the industry being misled due to the sale of small home nodes that do nothing but simply allow companies such as Bitmain to sell ASIC-based pet rocks to gain a level of collectivist control over an idle mass of uninformed people. See Bitcoin Ethereum. Wright concluded this piece by saying that it is time that people start to see what a node is and how it works and to stop the lies that have formed the foundation of the industry. Arthur, Wright's argument is that ASIC devices have been forced upon the network due to profiteering from the likes of Bitmain and that a large scale system of nodes could do the same job and increase decentralization. Does his approach to BSV mining reflect this vision? They want a low number of nodes, uh, as in their opinion, nodes are only miners. Why they think that is beyond me, to be honest, because in chapter 8 of the white paper, we uh, see the real Satoshi Nakamoto speak about verification nodes. And this is what we are used to call full nodes, the famous uh, Raspberry Pis. So BSV, according to Craig Wright, aims for roughly 50 to 100 nodes. And now I can bring in a fun fact uh, about this because they had some 650 nodes about two years ago and now they only have around 30. It's shocking and it keeps on dropping and it never expands. And the real Bitcoin currently has around 65,000 nodes, which are indeed miners and full nodes, according to Satoshi's vision. And on top of that, uh, we have the Lightning Network, of course, and there are also nodes. I think they have roughly between 30 and 35,000. So it will not uh, surprise you that Satoshi Nakamoto mentioned 100,000 nodes a few times back in 2009, 2010. Although, to be fair, he later said, I think to Mike Hearn, that this number should not be taken um, too seriously, that it uh, could also be fewer nodes. As we covered in episode 5, Wright's dissatisfaction with the direction in which Bitcoin was headed caused him to be part of the Bitcoin Cash hard fork in August 2017 and then the BSV hard fork in 2018. Now, Wright believes, with full control over the BSV environment, he finally has what he wanted all those years ago, a blockchain and a cryptocurrency that reflects the real vision of Satoshi Nakamoto, rather than the altered version that has been forced down the throats of the other 99% of the cryptocurrency community, called Bitcoin. Wright could have used this trifecta of hijacks to create a half-decent movement to fight back against this so-called oppression, but all he has managed to do is alienate himself, his backers and his followers from the rest of the community, which has led him to become a hated figure whose actions have resulted in legal battles being started against him that would have been so easy to avoid. The attempt from Calvin Eyre and his flock of parrots to do Wright's bidding and chime in with the same BSV propaganda after even vaguely related tweets is doing more harm than good to the BSV cause. Amateurs new to the space will be immediately put off by the angry, hateful rhetoric that instantly crops up on social media, and if they aren't put off by that, then one look at the price history will keep them well clear. The BSV gang are the digital version of the extremists who stand outside abortion clinics with placards citing out-of-context Bible verses and yell at anyone who dares to even look at the front doors of the building. In fact, this comparison to religion is an apt one. The BSV community has been told a vision of the Genesis story that they choose to believe, whereas others have been told a different version that they choose to believe. One side uses facts to dispel the arguments made by their opponents, facts which are met with increasingly new and inventive methods of circumnavigation, with little but name-calling and opinions dressed up as facts offered in return. 
Wright supporters pride themselves on having really understood the message in the Bitcoin white paper and perceive Wright's critics as being below their level of intelligence because they don't get it. This Trump-esque idea Wright has spread that he's playing 5D chess and running rings around the crypto community is a glow in which his acolytes bathe gloriously, laughing at the non-Wright believers as the value of their portfolios reduces ever further. One reply to Wright's Medium post on the subject of the Bitcoin mining hijack sums up the kind of people Wright is collecting around him. Well done. Another article proving once again I know nothing when it comes to Bitcoin. Also proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that Craig knows too much not to be the author. There is so much to unpack in those two lines we just don't have time. So how does Wright's version of history inform the future of the crypto space? BSV is focused on the levels of adoption and usage that other blockchains can only dream of, with governments and global titans of all sectors apparently in their sights. As far as Wright is concerned, BSV is doing exactly what he designed Bitcoin to do before he was kicked out, and so he is targeting companies of the same scale that enticed Robert McGregor to plough $15 million into Wright in 2015, the likes of Google, Uber and Microsoft. This fact throws up another of those contradictions in Wright's story. If Wright was so convinced by 2015 that the digital currency group was working to prevent Bitcoin from scaling, how on earth was he going to sell it to those business goliaths a year later? The BSV camp, and Calvin Eyre especially, is perpetually talking of the potential of BSV, of a utopian point in the future when entire countries are running on the BSV blockchain, saying over and over again that such adoption is imminent. In that time, El Salvador has adopted Bitcoin as legal tender, and the two biggest movements ever to come out of the crypto space since Bitcoin, DeFi and NFTs, run almost exclusively on the Ethereum blockchain. There has to come a time when potential adoption turns to actual adoption. Arthur, 2021 brought with it the third anniversary of the BSV blockchain with, again, no grand adoption deal. How long do you think it will be before BSV backers start to turn the pressure up on Calvin and Co? Yeah, that's a good question. What I see happening is that there is still a group uh, clinging on to the hope that something is going to happen. I was done with the whole story after May uh, 2016 when Craig's uh, reveal failed for the second time. Yeah, the first time was December uh, 2015, the docs. And since then, we only see a growing list of uh, empty promises, more lies, especially more forgeries uh, to support these lies. So yeah, BSV is rooted in this fraud of, of Craig Wright. Just my opinion, but it's a cripple Bitcoin affinity fraud kept together by Calvin Air's money. He is uh, circle jerking uh, with his own dollars uh, to keep the community uh, happy and, uh, and alive. Uh, look at the history. Since late 2018, they moved up to number five market cap. And since then, it dropped to recently number 75, I think. Of course, there is still activity going on on the BSV chain, but the overall sentiments are uh, not so good. For example, I came across a tweet a few days ago, dated December 16, and it's from someone called uh, Rahul Sood, who told uh, Kelvin Air, Kelvin, the technology might be awesome, but I can't spend time on it to know anymore. The distractions, the toxicity of the lawsuits, the culture... The liquidity is dropping, etc. It's enough to turn anyone off. It's too risky. Regardless, I wish you well. Good luck with it, man. Uh, and, and this is, was for me a good example of 
the overall sentiments of people who are looking seriously at it, and I'm not talking about the cult members who refuse to see what's really going on, those people who are building and investing in, uh, on the BSV uh, blockchain and they use a little sense of objectivity, they will tell you the same thing as uh, Rahul Sood. Wright considers revenge over those who have shunned him as the chief driving force for his desired destruction of the entire crypto space. On more than one occasion, he has billed himself as a modern-day Genghis Khan, calling himself the punishment of God in cryptocurrency, and his recent legal battles are proof that he is leaving no stone unturned in his desire to see that happen. It seems that Wright has realised that the only way he is going to get the recognition he so desperately craves is by forcing people to believe him, while at the same time saying that he doesn't care if they do. Arthur, related to my earlier question, what chain of events are the die-hard BSVers expecting to happen that will send BSV shooting back up the charts? Yeah, firstly, of course, uh, Craig Wright being declared Satoshi Nakamoto uh, somewhere in, in some court case, which will... If you ask me, of course, uh, not happen uh, simply because he isn't. But yeah, also they hope and expect that even if this doesn't happen, that the wonderful tech of uh, BSV will speak for itself and convince governments and enterprises to jump uh, on board. Well, I just gave you an example that they are jumping a ship instead, also because of the bad reputation of BSV and uh, its community centered around Calvin Air and Craig Wright. A few months ago, the Australian government uh, didn't want to sponsor BSV-related projects, citing reputational and legal issues uh, surrounding BSV. Hmm. This uh, reminds me of an email that I found in the court docket of the Climate versus Right uh, lawsuit that is such a good showcase of this no-substance element. I will read the whole email to you. It was an email that Ira Climate sent to Craig Wright on June 22, 2015. Keep in mind, this was more than six years ago. Let me explain part of my difficulty in answering this second round of questions. Last year, I tried to display a level of trust by completing the questionnaire in a supportive manner. And in return, I trusted that things told to me would take place. First, I thought you would come meet with me and my dad in person, but that didn't happen. Next, my attorney's request for information from Mr. Sommer was never provided. And then the October timeline I was given that stated no risk involved also didn't happen. It's likely I would not have extracted anything anyhow, but I simply wanted to see confirmation of the story. I also thought I would get updates about Coinex, but it just seems nothing ever materialized. If some of these things had taken place, it would at least help validate trust in your word but there was no follow-through on any of it. So after a year's time, based on what action can I still place trust in anything told to me will happen. It's a perfect example of how it is going if you deal with Craig Wright. Looking at Craig Wright's version of the Bitcoin story, we can see that it would be tempting to those who are fans of a good old-fashioned conspiracy theory. Like the best ones, Wright's tale is fascinating to listen to, but is backed up by little actual evidence, although the medium through which the story is told is clearly convincing to many. 
Indeed, it makes for a great subplot in the already fascinating story of Bitcoin and Satoshi Nakamoto, and it wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't for the fact that scores of regular people, from Twitter users exercising free speech to Bitcoin developers who were giving up their time to develop the protocol, weren't facing legal action from Wright as a result of his determination to get his way. Despite his claims of imminent world domination, Craig Wright faces an uncertain future, with multiple court cases pending that could shatter his claims to be Satoshi Nakamoto. Except, of course, that they won't, because those who believe him will continue to believe him and find reasons to invalidate any legal defeats, and those who don't believe him will continue to not believe him, unless actual, compelling and genuine evidence is presented, and even then it will have to be weighed against the years of fraud. The one thing we do know is that, whatever happens, Wright will continue to proclaim he is Satoshi Nakamoto until his dying day. Even when he's in the bunker under the BSV version of the Reichstag, with the 51% attacks raining down on him and the BSV blockchain near to collapse, he'll still have his crew around him, desperately trying to work out a way to get a meeting with Google. Calvin Eyre will be tweeting the president of Nicaragua, the Pope and the captain of the Australian football team that BSV has already won. Kurt Vockert Jr. and Jimmy Wynn will be in the corner doing their 700th podcast about how Bitcoin can't scale, and the 15 remaining BSV holders will be posting charts to show how someone is intentionally keeping the BSV price at $0.03 cents so they can accumulate more before it explodes. Wright's story of a three-pronged hijack is intriguing and, on the surface, eminently viable. As we have found with all of his claims, however, underneath the story there is very little of substance to back it up. Wright is clearly a very compelling storyteller, and if he's going to keep his followers in line, he's either going to need some genuine victories pretty soon, or the Emperor is going to need to find some newer and more convincing clothes. That about wraps up this bonus episode of Dr. Bitcoin. Arthur, thanks for taking the time to join me once again. Now, as always, it was an immense pleasure again, uh, Mark. And I'll speak to you again soon. Cheerio. You've been listening to Dr. Bitcoin, the man who wasn't Satoshi Nakamoto. Written by Mark Hunter, with additional material by Arthur Van Pelt. Editing and production by Mark Hunter. This has been a Contented Media Production.